General James L. Jones, the hardest job I ever had. American society was roiled by a storm of social issues in the 1960s and 1970s. There were anti-war protests against the Vietnam War, the rise of a drug culture, the civil rights movement, and racial clashes. This toxic blend spilled over into the Marine Corps. Combined with lowered enlistment standards, the Marine Corps suffered a crisis of discipline in many units. This presented a unique and troublesome challenge to leaders. The Marine Corps at the highest levels instituted important policy changes that put the Corps on track to restore good order and discipline. But this was months, even years away. In the meantime, officers and non-commissioned officers had to deal with serious discipline problems in the ranks. Sometimes this took creative thinking. In this segment, Commandant General James L. Jones, speaking with oral historian Dr. Gary Solis, describes how dealing with discipline issues in an infantry company in Okinawa in 1974 was the hardest job he ever had. With all of my uh, classmates in the AWF class I went to who were going to Okinawa would have snapped up all the rifle companies. And so I was very surprised when I arrived at Kadena and I was met by the assistant division personnel officer, uh, Major, who said, welcome to, welcome to Okinawa, what would you like to do? And I said, I said, you know, I'd really like to command a rifle company. And he said, what regiment? And there were two regiments, as you know, the 4th and, and the ninth. And I said, it makes no difference to me. He said, well, uh, how about 2-9? He said, I said, where are they? He said, we can't show up. I said, perfect with me. He said, okay, you'll be reporting in to Colonel G. Deacon. And uh, I said, I'm on my way. And I just absolutely wanted to do a jump up in the air. We didn't do high fives in those days, but if I found somebody to high five, I thought, this is unbelievable. I said, there's actually a rifle company left. I said, and after the major, you know, penciled me in, I said, I said, I'm really surprised there's a company left. And we just had a slug of lieutenants come, you know, you appreciated the order. I had to go to school and I was delayed. He said, you'd be surprised how many people leave Kronos saying they want rifle companies and come over here and say they'd like to snap in slowly in the staff job. He said, you'll find out why. And I said, well, I'm happy. And, uh, and the next morning I reported in at Gene Deegan. And, uh, and this is where that, that statement was made when Colonel Deegan said, well, I'm glad to have you here. you got a good reputation. And I see you had a lot of command experience. He said, I'm going to sign you for the worst rifle company in the United States Marine Corps. Hotel too much. And, uh, and uh, he, said, he said, are you ready for this challenge? I said, I said, absolutely. I said, well, what's the problem? And he said, I, I may not have this right, but I, I'm pretty sure I remember him telling me that in the previous float that they came back from, the entire weapons platoon went UA in the Philippines. <laughs> Last the officer. That they missed they missed the ship that was taking them back to Okinawa. Right. So I said, well that's you know cohesion. I mean you know, they stuck together. Carl didn't see the humor of that. And then he said, um, would you like me to uh, go down and introduce you to a company? And uh, I said, I don't think necessarily Carl. I said 
I'm honored by the assignment. I uh, will find my way down there. It turns out that uh, Captain Sean Leach, who had previously commanded Fox Company in that battalion, was given temporary responsibility for about 30 days for that company. And he and I, although we didn't know it, crossed. As I was driving the Schwab, he was going down to get on an airplane, so we never really actually met. But the first thing I noticed when I walked into the company office and I asked with the first sergeant in the EXO was 25 record books piled up on my desk waiting for office hours the next morning. And that was my introduction to a hotel company. Well, I never cared for Okinawa. I mean, I never cared for Schwab. Um, it was literally at the end of the road when I was there. Well, I told people um, when, I re when I reflect on my career, that uh, we had some uh, some very difficult problems in the Marine Corps in those days. And I, I told them that although it turned out to be a great experience for me, uh, it was the hardest job I've ever had in the Marine Corps. And I wasn't sure at the end of it whether I was still in the Marine Corps or the French Foreign Legion. Uh, but, but I will say this, uh, as hard as it was, uh, it, it probably did more to fix in my mind how I was going to be as an officer for the remainder of my career. Well, from 8th and I to uh, Hotel 29, what a change it must have been. In, that, in those days, of course, we had Category 4 Marines. Mm -hmm. We had uh, endemic drug and discipline problems, racial conflict that wouldn't stop. Any alcohol? A lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs. Uh, ethnic problems. You've even said, I hated Okinawa. <laughs> you had thoughts of resigning. Is that that? Is that an overstatement? Yeah, well, it, it was. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't like Okinawa during those times because it was a very hostile environment. I mean, wherever you went. Uh, the idea of officers having to go on courtesy patrol, you know, which is a necessary evil, uh, the fact that you could walk into bars that were ethnic bars, and if you walked into the wrong bar, you know, you're a white officer, uh, music would stop, people would stop talking. These are nice. I mean, and, and some of them were people that I recognized, and sometimes even in my company. Um, And, you know, the, the, the Marine Corps did not make it easy for you as a company commander to process somebody out. They were intent on making the big Marine Corps. Not EAS and those Two court marshals, two courts marshals, and an officer. This was kind of not a big deal. I mean, you could make sergeant. You know, um, it was a different I felt badly for the, for the good Marines because there, there were some people there that really kind of joined the Marines to do the right thing and really wanted to do well. We paid a price during those days because of what we did to our staff NCO Corps in Vietnam. We took the best staff NCOs and we made them temporary officers. And after the war was winding down, we started trying to revert them. And by now, they were all captains and some of them were majors and they weren't going to go back to be master guns. They weren't going to go back to be first sergeants. So they retired. And the net effect of that was we had a gap in the staff NCO Corps that lasted at least 10 more years before we finally got the staff MCO Corps that we have today. It wasn't their fault. It was just, that's how we did it. And I, I will give thanks to, to the rest of, for the rest of my life.
that I had the platoon commanders that I had in the in hotel company. And I had one staff sergeant named Copeland, who retired as a master sergeant. And he's now teaching the NROTC unit at uh, Naples High School. Uh, and who is probably one of the most one of the most effective natural leaders that I've seen in my life. Uh, very fortunately, he was a black marine, about six feet five, about two hundred and thirty pounds, chiseled, and nobody, nobody wanted to fool with Staff Sergeant Copeland. And he was my best friend. I mean, between the two of us, we we licked the race thing, we licked the alcohol thing, we licked the drug thing because nobody wanted to pay the consequence. And I'm not talking about maltreatment here. I'm talking about telling people what Marines were going to be in this country, what the standard was, and if you didn't, if you didn't meet the standard, you were going to pay the price. And, uh, and there are a lot of innovative ways you can do that. There was a time at Camp Schwab. I'll dwell on this a little bit because it's important because it really had a this is a defining moment in my life. The Camp Schwab in 1974 and 5, when I got there, um, white Marines did not go to the base gym. Because essentially the base gym was a basketball court. And, and, and black Marines owned, owned the base gym. There's certain bars out in town that that black Marines were not frequent because only white Marines went to bars. There were Latin American bars, there were black bars. Um, it was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. But on base, the idea of uh, having the deep base gym where, where white Marines just did not go there uh, was really troubling to me. And the first thing I did was attack that. And one way to break the ice with a with a company. This was a, definitely a trouble company. I mean, we had deep divisions, and I mean, I saw it. I felt that it was it was palpable. And marched them down to the gym, MPT gear with their basketball shoes. I reserved the gym, which I could do. I sat them down in the bleachers, and I got out in front of the company. And I had a basketball in my hand, and I. I asked the company to produce the, the who's the best basketball player in the company. And they all pointed to young Marine who was about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, strapping young, young Marine who happened to be black. And we got out in front of the company and, and uh, he and I played one-on-one -on -one for 10 baskets. And they get him the ball first, no warm-up shots. He and I traded misses for the first, first two. And then I beat him 10 to, 10 to 6 or something like that. Gave him the ball back and said, okay, sit down. And, uh, and I could see there that the, the thing changed between the company commander and the company. Because the predominantly black company, they're very heavy, very heavy on minorities, um, hadn't seen anyone who would come in and, and come down to play their game on their level and do it better. And, I just happened to be playing basketball a long time in my life. And, uh, I was still in good shape. Played on the AWS team. Did basketball was something I did a lot of. And uh, then I divided the company up, took all the baskets, and made different teams, and we all played basketball. 
all play basketball. Not, not just one group, not just another group. And we did that a lot. And, and based on that athletic competition, which permeated to other sports, when the crowd had a big field day, I remember on New Year's Day, 1975, New Year's, New Year's Day, 1 January, we had a battalion field meet out there at Camp Schwab. And it was one of the best run field meets I've ever seen. It, it had the right mixture of athletic and professional military skills. And Hotel Company won that field meet. And uh, the morale of the company just kind of started when they've been down for so long, they've been told they were bad for so long. Uh, I did tell you that the first thing I did with those 25 officers is I threw it back to the first sergeant and said, this is a clean sheet. So the 25 NJPs were, they're all, you know, failure to get a haircut, failure to, you know, hey, thank you. So there was a, a blanket, you know, this is our line of departure. And I probably learned more about motivation and leadership and group dynamics in that 13 months. Uh, as a young officer, but when I came home, I was a trust. Uh, General Jones found himself in a tough situation as a company commander. His previous leadership experiences at 8th and I and as a platoon commander in combat in Vietnam had not prepared him for what he faced with Hotel Company, 2nd Battalion, 9th Marines. Outside social issues had infiltrated the ranks such that it had overcame boot camp training and indoctrination. There was little fear of the military system of justice and punishments. General Jones therefore resorted to a means of leadership that would connect with the troops. He met them on their level. This paid dividends and established a foundation upon which he could build that turned Hotel 29 into a capable and combat-ready rifle company. With the all-volunteer force of today, the military is not as subject to outside society's behavior that might contravene or challenge Marine Corps discipline. Nevertheless, challenging leadership issues abound. Sometimes they require creative leadership to resolve. How are Marines today prepared to deal with unusual leadership issues, the type that often arise in garrison and are sparked by outside social norms that are not the norm for the Marine Corps? How are our leaders taught to think out of the box, to connect with the troops and stimulate their desire to do things the Marine Corps way? For additional information on military leadership, read For Corps and Country, The Life of Oliver P. Smith by Gail Schisler, One Bullet Away, the Making of a Marine Officer by Nathaniel Fick, The Forgotten Soldier by Guy Sayer, and My American Journey by General Colin Powell.